Sorry, I'm going long with this no, one. No, I think I just, that's good. It's I, I want this it's, to be a long question. I always go long, right? Yeah. Go long. <laughs> but <laughs> I, it's just, I, it's, I want a thorough answer on this. Yeah, I mean, if anyone's doing that stuff, cut it out because it isn't worth it. This is Flying with a Purpose, a podcast brought to you by Flight Review and Melbourne Flight Training. I'm David Allen, a student pilot currently pursuing my private pilot certificate. And I'm Derek Fallon, a certified flight instructor and the owner of Melbourne Flight Training. Got a question about flight training or aviation in general? We'd love to answer it. Details about how to send us your questions will be at the end of the show. Now, let's get to the good stuff. So, I know your thoughts on this. Um, oh, are we recording? Yes, we are. Uh-oh. I know your thoughts on this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask this question kind of knowing what you're going to say, but... I'm going to play a little bit of the devil's advocate on it. So it'll be fun. Um, The question is, what are your feelings on intentionally messing stuff up for the student to find during pre-flight? This, I think, is going to be a controversial question. So let me, just to put it into perspective where I'm going to go with this, I have a really big problem with people in the multi-engine or the retractable gear training community, if you want to call it that, like anybody who teaches in a retractable gear airplane that pulls the circuit breaker or the gear motor to see if the student will figure out if they put the gear down or not. I think that that's super dangerous and I don't like it. So if I was to stay consistent with that, um, and, and because I've watched people gear up doing that, but to stay consistent with that, I would say that Look, you're just putting the whole thing at risk. Like, if you mess something up on the pre-flight, or like, I'm I'm not saying like that people would do dangerous things to put the flight at risk because they want to teach their student. And I get it; you want them to like see things that are broken so that they get it and they understand that they like this is something that's wrong with the airplane. But I think it's pretty obvious when you're pre-flighting the airplane that something is wrong. Like, there's not a lot of times that I've seen a student go up and to an airplane that has been broken and like they didn't know that it had been broken and they left like no one's no one at our flight school has ever taken off of the broken airplane even the most juniorist student pilots have been like hey this isn't right uh this isn't something i've seen before why is it like this we should get this fixed i should not fly this airplane so purposely messing stuff up to to try to teach them something is kind of stupid in my opinion just because you don't want to put it why put any risk on the operation more than there already is inherently in aviation so your your take on it is you're going to find stuff anyway. Think you know airplanes get used; they're going to things yeah. are going to go wrong. You know, the, I mean, you know, when you see a puddle of oil underneath the airplane, that you know there's something wrong. I'm not going to start taking fasteners out or like remove a cotter pin from a, a, a you know an axle nut or like you or know, stick something like, inside the cowl. Yeah, you know, I'm to, not going to. I'm yeah. definitely not going to do that. I'm definitely yeah. not going to like jam something like a bird's nest in the aileron or something like that just to get them to see if they find it you know it it's kind of negative learning like oh, i put that there i tricked you like that the student's gonna be like why would you do that to me right you okay. know like so I, I know that there's other instructors who will on purpose intentionally do uh things to an airplane so that their student gets used to seeing those kinds of things but uh, you know there on a trainer there's not a lot you could do right on a 172 or a pa28 there's not a lot you like, let's just say like, Hey, I'm going to leave the, the cowling unlatched on a PA 28 to see if my student gets it. 
And then, you know, the instructor gets distracted because the lineman comes over and says, Hey, blah, blah, blah. I, I just fueled your airplane. I put 30 gallons in it. And then the next thing, you know, Oh, see you later. And then they jump in the plane and they forget. And then they take off and the cowling busts open. Like, it's just not worth it. It's not worth it. Yeah, It's not worth it. Just, you know, try to show them where they would look for broken things. I'm looking right here to see if this cotter pin is here. If it's not, it's a problem. I'm looking here to see if this bolt is tight. Um, like on the Cirrus, for example, there's counterweights in the elevator and I'm like, Hey, uh, look at these bolts right here. If these bolts are backed out or this, they use die chem, it's a little gel that they put on it. If the gel is broken, then the bolt has moved. If it's not, it looks like uh, somebody like marked it with paint and it's one solid line. And so I'm like, Hey, you know, look at that. Like I w- it wouldn't back the bolt out on purpose right you know to cool sorry i'm going long with this no, one i think I just, that's good it's fr- i want this it's, to be a long question i always go long right yeah go long <laughs> but <laughs> I, it's just i, it's I want fr- a thorough answer on this yeah i mean if anyone's doing that stuff cut it out because it isn't worth it yep i think that's fair so the second question i'll ask in this uh for this episode uh take a completely different direction um, I know how we do it at our school at Melbourne Flight Training, but how, what are your thoughts on computer-based flight training for ground school versus classroom training with an instructor? And I know that we lean towards computer-based training because uh, it's expensive. Uh, it's less expensive. Uh, it can be done on the on the student's time uh, versus a, a one-on-one type of scenario for ground school and a, or even a classroom situation with multiple, it's going to be more expensive and you're kind of stuck to the instructor's time. Um, so I know we kind of tend towards lean towards computer-based training. Is there anything lost in that? Is, is it, you know, yeah, there's, there's the one thing that's lost in computer-based training is that I can't just ask you a question. You know, I can't just say, okay, well, what do you mean by that? Or how can you, better explain this to me or how can I correlate this, um, to what I'm learning right now so that I can benefit from it. But the problem with lectures is that, so if you're in a group scenario, you know, there's always that one guy and it'd probably be me like <laughs> at, repeat, repeatedly asking the stupidest questions in the world. Like, Oh, tell me, tell me more about that. And then, you know, it takes away a little bit from the other students who are progressing well. And, um, and they're, they may be afraid to ask the questions that they want to because um, the other person has taken so much of their time and they don't want to waste any more time. Um, but you may also benefit from learning from people who do ask good questions and then you can, you know, hey, I didn't think about that. You can benefit from that quite a bit. So and then there's the, you know, the one-on-one instruction, which is you don't get those questions that you really want to hear other people ask and you can easily, you know, zone out. You can kind of zone out like anything one-on-one. You can kind of zone out a little bit. I, I, I hate to say it like that. Well, you can zone out any of them. Yeah, you really could. I think with the one-on-one, uh, that's going to be your most expensive option. Yeah, yeah. It's your most expensive option for sure. Um, but it can be really good. Like if you really interact really well with your instructor and you can, you you have the ability to work together, kind of like to learn something where it's like, Hey, I'm going to tell you this. Okay. I have this question here. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to ask it. And you guys can go back and forth and kind of, I think Socratic discussion is always the best way to learn the best way to learn that tops online training, uh, lectures and one-on-one is like 
the way we do it for our CFI training at Melbourne flight training is one person is getting a lesson and they're standing in front of the board and they're pretending to be a CFI and they're learning. But we typically will have like anywhere from two to five other people in that room that are just sitting in on the lesson and they're shooting questions to each other the whole time. And it's a super open forum where they can just explore all these different, uh, technical subjects, uh, openly and just keep, you know, hitting on all the points that they want to learn. At that point, it almost becomes hanger flying, which I think is one of the most valuable things any pilot can do. It, it is, it, and it can, and, and it is valuable, but it's, it also can be, you know, just if it just becomes like, you know, a bunch of guys talking around a table, that's not right. really, that's not super well, of course beneficial. You don't want the, there I was inverted at four inches off the ground, but right there, but, there has to be someone running the Socratic discussion, someone managing it to stop people when they get too far off topic sure. or something like that. But it's been, it's benefited people very well, especially like talking about systems and aerodynamics where we get really in depth and then people can fire questions at each other because it's, you can just jump in and interrupt. You're not sitting in a classroom with 10 people where the instructor's sitting up there talking and you can't really ask questions unless you raise your hand or something like that. But, um, I, online learning is good. We use that too. It's great. I yeah. mean, you're just losing, you're losing that personal interaction. And I guess just with like with anything, you can zone out and just kind of start clicking through this stuff. But if it's entertaining, I think there's a lot of entertaining ground schools out there now that are really cool. Some yeah. are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> some are terrible. Some are great. Some are like reading. Like if you're doing the ground school where you have to read the ground school while you're doing it online, that's really tough. That it's really tough for that me. That would suck the life out of I me. I want to see like as much digital media as I can, as, as much graphics and as much like stuff like that as possible so that I can learn the most and visualize it, you know, properly. I feel like, um, ground school training is kind of a very personal decision. Um, and it, and it really can be, I think for most pilots, for most student pilots, because they, there's so many options that are out there and, um, everybody learns differently. Some people learn by just reading. Some people learn by, by hearing, um, and so I think there's a lot of options out there for that. Some people would learn better by that interaction. Hmm. So, yeah. And, and, you know, you gotta also, if you're going to pick it all in ground school, pick one that kind of fits what you're kind of flying that you're going to do. So there are ones that are like big name brand. They're going to be for more like 141 style training or, you know, professional flying training stuff. Uh, where, whereas there are really uh, good video ground schools out there for sale that are for the recreational style private pilot, you know, that kind of breaks things down really easily. Um, and it's not very technical, but it's also very informative. Cool. I think that'll do it for this episode. Um, this is some fun discussion. I like it. It's good stuff. I can't like mention any brands by name. <laughs> no, you can't, but that's okay. Sorry. Um. <laughs> You'll have to find them yourself. <laughs> or come to Melbourne Flight Training and we'll Yeah, we'll and I'll tell you some then. But Right. Good. <laughs> that's uh that's MLBflight.com. Come on yes. down and we'll put you in a Cessna one seventy two or a Cirrus SR twenty. Lots of flying. <laughs> Lots of flying. Good stuff. Hey, thanks Derek for taking your time. I know you're a really busy guy, yeah, but thanks uh, for, it's been a lot of thanks fun. Thanks for having so, me. Good. All right. We'll guys talk to you guys next time. Thanks for listening to Flying with a Purpose. If you'd like us to consider answering your question on the show, send us an email to podcast at flightreview.tv. That's podcast at flightreview.tv. 
we would love to hear from you. Also, check out the YouTube channel at youtube.com slash flight review for the latest flight training episode. Derek is trying to turn me into a pilot in front of the world. Finally, if you like this show, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us out to have some five-star ratings, especially when we are just starting out. Again, thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode of Flying with a Purpose. Thank you.